Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today's scripture reading is from John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, which say, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. This is a wonderful verse that talks about the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God the Father who loves the Son, and in this verse it says, because Jesus is able to take his life and lay it down for us, basically, and then take it up again, and that's exactly what he did. He left the glories of heaven. He came to earth. He lived a sinless life. The whole purpose was to go to the cross to bear our sins, your sins and my sin, and his own body as he hung on the tree. And then he died. And on the third day, he rose again. He took his life up. Jesus has that kind of power to lay down his life, to actually love us and care for us and take care of our sin problem if we receive him as our Lord and Savior. And then he was able to rise from the grave and is alive today. And he's present in this world doing his work and doing his will. I trust that you have a personal relationship with this great God of the universe who oversees the affairs of men and oversees your affairs each day. This is a radio edition of Global Times. Today in our studio, we have Jennifer Mays, who is one of our missionaries in Honduras. She has been there for nine years and has a tremendous impact, and the Lord has really blessed her in a mighty way. She has a real vision for Christian education in that country, and she was sharing with us that a lot of people are sending their children to North America because of the extortion and violence in Honduras, and they hope that their children will find a better life here than in Honduras. Today, Jennifer is going to share the need for education, and particular Christian education in Honduras. Jennifer, could you share with us, please? Yeah, during my nine years in Honduras, one of the things that I've identified as one of the largest problems is the lack of good education there. Although there are a couple of excellent bilingual schools, they are for the wealthy only and they're very expensive. And so the general population doesn't have access to that. The general population of Honduras has no more than a sixth grade education. Now, while within the last year they have said that the minimum needs to be ninth grade, we have not yet seen that happen. They are, they're saying that needs to happen, 
but that has not become um, fulfilled yet. So the other thing that I have noticed with education in Honduras is that everything is rote memorization. If the traditional way of teaching there is they give the kids a book and the kids basically copy the book, memorize word for word questions and answers for their tests, and there's no true learning happening. It's all just rote memorization. And so between those two things, the, the children are getting a terrible education. You also have a situation where a lot of kids are not even in school because of the poverty. The, they're working or they're tending to f smaller family members at home because the single mom is out working and there's nobody to watch the kids. So you have the nine-year-old who's taking care of the five-year-old and the three-year-old, and they're not in school. And so one of the visions that the Lord has given me is to start a bilingual Christian school that is geared for children in poverty. This would not be a school where the affluent can attend to get a good education. This would be a school where kids who would ne not have an other opportunity to receive a good Christian education get an excellent education and an education that will allow them as adults to get a job and turn their society around. The Lord has shown me that the two things that will change that country is in a better education and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that is my vision is to combine those two things and provide an education for children so that when they are adults, they will be able to get out of poverty and change the way society is in Honduras. Yes. And you will do this with the blessing of the local church, correct? Yes, the local church that I'm working with right now has a vision as well that the Lord has shown them to have a school. And so it's been neat to see how the Lord has brought us together to eventually fulfill that vision he's given to both of us. And Global Out Remission is a parachurch organization, but we believe that the divine institution that God is using in this age of grace is the local church. So we try to work with local churches because we believe that is where the strength is, and we believe that's where people can not only get good education, but also they can have a spiritual component to it and can grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I am re really thankful for the way the Lord is leading you, and I'm so thankful that you are in a very poverty-stricken area that needs education and the Lord. I have great concern, though, for your personal safety. Could you address that? Well, as many people have heard in the news, there's uh, a lot of turmoil in Honduras, mostly from gang activity, um, because of the poverty and the lack of control that the government has over the situation. Um, it, it can be a little bit difficult to, to live in and function there. But as I've mentioned to you personally, you know, I, I feel safe in the sense that God has led me there. There are over 500 missionaries that are in the country working and serving there. And so the Lord, I do believe, has his hand on that country. And even though there is a lot of turmoil that's happening, I really believe that the Lord is sending workers there because the harvest is just about ripe. And so those of us who are there are excited to see what God is about to do in that place, believe that the gospel is going out and that we will see many people come to Christ in these next couple of years. Well, Jennifer, we will certainly be praying for you and praying for that harvest. I trust the Lord will re 
I trust the Lord for revival in North America as well as around the world. I believe the Lord is bringing in that last harvest in many, many countries, in Muslim countries in particular. There are thousands upon thousands of people who are coming to find Christ, and I do believe that God wants to work in Honduras as well. I am so thankful for the call that the Lord has put on your life, and I'm so thankful for the faithfulness that I've seen in your life and in your ministry and in the way that you serve him so well. I really appreciate you so much, and for the privilege of working with you, the Lord bless you. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour and for your prayers and financial support. We continue to remind people that we can't be on the air without their faithful prayers and their gifts to sustain this ministry. This month, we're giving away a wonderful booklet entitled Procrastination, written by June Hunt, who is a biblical counselor with the award-winning radio program, Hope for the Heart. This is a wonderful little booklet Preventing the Decay of Delay, it says. If you are plagued with procrastination, with God's help, you can rearrange your priorities and complete your task on time. This booklet can be a guide of biblical principles for good time management. Be sure you can defeat procrastination, finish tasks on time, and enjoy the process. Please write to receive your free booklet To get your copy, you can write Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And don't forget to ask for your copy of Procrastination. Today's message is from the Honorable Ernest C. Manning and is entitled, Things Which Must Surely Come to Pass. Printed copies are available upon request. We're examining the first eight verses of the sixth chapter of the book of Revelation, the greatest prophetic book in the entire canon of Scripture. Today we come to Revelation 6, verses 3 and 4, which read, And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out a horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. 
and there was given unto him a great sword. Let me remind you that this symbolic rider on a red horse is part of the vision God gave the Apostle John in which he revealed four great future world events which will take place on this earth after Christ ends this present age by taking out of the world all those who have received him as their personal Savior and being spiritually reborn by the Holy Spirit of God. The appearing of Christ to remove his universal church from this world is the next great prophecy of Scripture remaining to be fulfilled. It may take place at any moment. Certainly there are clear indications that it is near at hand. Now this isn't a figment of someone's imagination. It is a coming event clearly foretold in the infallible Scriptures. Here again these words from 1 Thessalonians 4. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now what about that? What will happen to you when Christ removes every genuine Christian from this earth? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, will you be taken out? Or will you be left behind to face the terrible conditions that will develop when the Antichrist emerges on the world scene? Today you still have an opportunity to turn to Christ and receive him as your personal Savior. Tomorrow may well be too late. Be wise. Come to him and come now. We noted last week that the first eight verses of the sixth chapter of the Revelation describe in symbolic language what are commonly called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We dealt with the first of these, which verse 2 describes as a rider on a white horse, a symbolic portrayal of the coming Antichrist, who will emerge on the world scene shortly after Christ removes his church. We noted the similarities between the rider on the white horse in Revelation 6 and 3 and the rider on a white horse described in Revelation 19, 11 to 16, which portrays Jesus Christ at the time of his future return as King of kings and Lord of lords to establish his millennial kingdom of heaven on this earth. A comparison of the two passages indicates clearly that the rider on the white horse in Revelation 6 is a satanic counterfeit of Jesus Christ in his future role as the supreme ruler over this earth, when, as the scriptures say, the kingdoms of this world will have become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. The prophetic vision recorded in Revelation 6 is telling us that the Antichrist will employ satanic deception to get the nations of earth to accord him the role God intends his son Jesus Christ to play in the ultimate governing of this earth. He will be the alternative to Christ produced by a secular humanistic society that will have rejected the sovereignty of God, the lordship of Jesus Christ, 
and the authority of the Bible as the infallible and inerrant Word of God. How far society already has moved in that direction. Millions of children, the decision-makers of tomorrow, today are growing up in homes in which there's no recognition of God or Jesus Christ, homes in which the Bible is never read, and where spiritual illiteracy is complete. Such children then go on into a secular educational system where the emphasis is on materialistic values and humanistic attainment, but where they learn nothing about the eternal verities or about God or Christ or the Bible. The result is an ever more godless materialistic society that looks solely to self-effort and human leadership to resolve individual and world problems. In such an environment, the circumstances created by the ultimate collapse of the present financial and economic and social and political systems will open the door for the Antichrist to win the acclaim of governments and people until he succeeds in having himself installed as the supreme head of a wholly materialistic world government. I remind you that this would be impossible unless there is first a major breakdown of moral standards and spiritual values and the social and economic and political structures which have prevailed in the past. The cold hard facts are becoming evident all around us today. Traditional moral standards and spiritual values are increasingly being repudiated. Historic social mores are being rejected as no longer acceptable. Prevailing economic and political structures are breaking down, and millions not only do not care, but openly advocate such trends as necessary to the birth of what they believe will be a more just and equitable form of society. In short, the world stage is being prepared for the entry of the rider on the white horse. Let us now turn our attention to the second horseman whom John describes in Revelation 6 and 4 as a rider on a red horse. His mission and role in world affairs is clearly stated. It says power was given him to take peace from the earth, that they should kill one another. And to that end there was given unto him a great sword, it seems obvious that this rider on the red horse is a symbolic personification of those forces which instigate strife and conflict between peoples and nations and precipitate war and bloodshed throughout the earth. The specific expression is most significant. It says power was given to him to take peace from the earth. So the world must have been at peace at the time. Evidently, with the emergence of the Antichrist and the establishment of his world government, the world will experience a period of peace. In fact, the prophetic scriptures clearly state that the Antichrist will exploit the desire of people for peace to gain their support. He will represent himself as a man of peace. The Old Testament prophet Daniel says he shall enter peaceably even upon the fattest places of the province. And he shall do that which his fathers have not done. He shall come in peaceably 
and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. He will succeed in flattering national leaders into surrendering their sovereignty to a world government as a basis for ensuring world peace. I need hardly tell you that this concept has wide acceptance today among world federalists and those who like to refer to themselves as citizens of the world. The tragedy of this concept is, of course, that no government or self-styled world leader can safely be entrusted with the enormous concentration of power that a meaningful world government would have to be given. Those who would entrust such power are inviting their own destruction. The prophet Daniel says of the coming Antichrist, His power shall be mighty, and he shall destroy wonderfully. And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. In other words, he will temporarily bring about an era of peace on earth, but it will be a false lull before the storm. Speaking about that future time, the Apostle Paul says, When they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Once the Antichrist secures for himself the position and the power of the supreme head of a world government, his true nature and intentions will soon become evident. His first violence will be against those who publicly expose what is going on. In the Old Testament prophecy of Daniel, the 11th chapter, the 33rd verse, we read, They that understand among the people shall instruct many, yet they shall fall by the sword and by flame, by captivity and by spoil many days. The rider on the red horse with his great sword in his hand will have taken his place beside the Antichrist to take peace from the earth. Daniel then goes on to say, He shall do according to his will, and shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the God of gods, and shall prosper, Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women. For he shall magnify himself above all. In his estate shall he honor the God of forces, and a God whom his fathers know not shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones. And many countries shall be overthrown. War and violence on an unprecedented scale will become the order of the day. The rider on the red horse with the great sword in his hand will be abroad taking peace from the earth. Now I realize these biblical predictions are contrary to the hope and belief of millions that it is possible for human effort to remove the threat of war even while rejecting the Prince of Peace who alone can and someday will establish on this earth a kingdom in which men will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks, and in which nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. The cold hard fact is man can't abolish strife and war by his own efforts. 
until Christ returns, there will continue to be, as he said, wars and rumors of wars on this earth. Periods of seemingly successful peace accords will prove to be mere lulls before another and more severe storm. That will be the case with the peace the Antichrist will bring to the world before he teams up with the rider on the red horse. Now, while this does not mean that national and international striving for world peace should not be pursued, but we should be wise enough to recognize that peace gained through human endeavor can at best be only temporary. That is because lasting peace requires two things. First, a fundamental change in human nature, which in its natural state inclines to strife rather than peace. God says of mankind in Romans 3, their feet are swift to shed innocent blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. And two, the presence of Jesus Christ and mankind's acceptance of him as the God of gods and Prince of Peace, who alone, as the scriptures say, maketh wars to cease. Just as lasting world peace requires his presence and the fundamental change in world conditions that he will bring about at his return, so lasting peace in your life depends on your acceptance of him is your personal Savior and Sovereign Lord, and on the transformation he will bring about in you by imparting to you a new nature born of the Spirit of God. I remind you once more that time is running out. I urge you again to take advantage of the opportunity you still have to acknowledge your need of his salvation and to receive him as your personal Savior now do so, and you can know that permanent, perfect peace of God that passeth all understanding that he gives to the... I trust that the message you just heard will be a great blessing. Truths that were shared today can be applied to your lives this week. We at Canada's National Bible Hour are always concerned about those who may be listening but don't know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. And of course, the scriptures are very clear. It is not one of us that deserves to be in God's presence. There is no way to get to God unless God would do something for us. And he did. He sent the best gift, the Lord Jesus, as he was obedient and became a man babe in the manger, lived a sinless life, with the whole goal of going to the cross one day and bearing the sins of the world. He thought about you. He bore our sins in his body as he hung there on the tree that day. So the Bible says, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. If you trust God to forgive you from your sins, to have a relationship with him, God will receive you. God will save you. Receiving him, accepting him, 
gave you the right to become a child of God. Don't forget to write for this month's copy of Procrastination by June Hunt, a wonderful little booklet. If you are plagued with procrastination, with God's help, you can rearrange your priorities and complete your task on time. I know this booklet will be a great encouragement to you. Please write Canadian National Bible Hour, 1210 St. Catherine, Ontario, L2R7A7, or United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. Remember, you can also hear past messages of this broadcast on our website at www.missiongo.org. We are now offering an internet radio broadcast on your mobile device. Don't forget to remember us in your prayers. So we want to thank you in advance for what you will do for us and help us do what we do in getting the gospel around the globe. God bless.